Manny, Manny, man. Amazing love, and can it be. What a wonderful, wonderful hymn. Our hymnals that we used for so many years uh, were the uh, hymns of faith, great hymns of the faith. It was Song 149 in those pages that hymn was. However, the second verse that we have on that one, which is the full version of the hymn, uh, we, we didn't have in our hymnal. So every time we, we use this, uh, that video or that, that song, it gets to that second. I get thrown off. I'm trying to sing something different, and the words get messed up. And uh, so, uh, but anyway, I love that hymn. When I was, before I started pastor, and I was a deacon in a small little church, and uh, all the men, all the deacons would come up at the end of Wednesday night service, and we would sing that, that song there. And uh, what a blessing. It's kind of written upon my heart. We've always kind of sang that song. Amen. Amen. We're getting into our message today as we continue on with our 2023 vision, Legacy, leaving a life, Living a Life Worth Living. And we're looking there in John chapter 11, verse 35, as we've already read this morning during our reading. And uh, it speaks, guys, we find here that John eleven thirty-five speaks of the sorrow our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, experienced. Not only uh, is it the shortest verse in the Bible consisted of two words. Jesus wept. You, you read it right there. You read it earlier. You can see it there in your, in your scriptures now. But, it, but it, again, it reveals the heart of our Lord in a, in a very wonderful way. And that's one of the things that we've been looking at is we see our Lord's heart. We see wh- who he is is what he did. We see it in his actions. And so now we find the action of Jesus weeping. Uh, Jesus weeping. And may I say this this morning to you, that sorrow is experienced in all of life. There are those around us today that are dealing with, uh, with issues, they're dealing with problems, uh, interruptions in their life. Uh, we understand that. But I also want to say this, that love is experienced in all of our life as well. And there are those that are around us, there are those that we deal with, people in our life, who share their love with us, sometimes on a daily basis, and, and other times just simply in moments of dire need. It's it's when these two come together, and this is what we find in John eleven thirty five, and as well as another verse we'll look out here in uh, shortly. It's when these two come together do we see uh, some of the greatest work overcoming some of, of of life's greatest challenges. By the time Jesus arrives at the the grave of his friend Lazarus, we're going to look at the whole event here in just a moment. Uh, he's been dead now for four days. Many have taught in the past. Uh, many have taught in the past that, uh, uh, that, that, again, this shortest verse in the Bible, uh, Jesus wept. They've taught that he wept because of the death of, his, of Lazarus, his dear friend. But, but, beloved, I submit to you this morning, there's another thought that we need to, to look at here, something more going on, of which I believe a biblical perspective more and well beyond the thought that Jesus, the Lord and Savior, the creator of all things, the Messiah, the all-powerful, if you will, was weeping because of Lazarus' death. Now, beloved, sorrow has taken a toll on the family and friends, and especially the sisters, Mary and Martha. I'm going to have some of the verses on the screen, but you can look there in John chapter 11 if you've got your Bible open. But in John chapter 11, verse, uh, uh, chapter 11, verses 32 through 34, the Bible says, Then when Mary was come where Jesus was and saw him, she fell down at his feet, saying unto him, Lord, if thou hast been here, my brother had not died. When Jesus therefore saw her weeping, and the Jews also weeping with, which came with her, he groaned in the spirit and was troubled, and said, Where have ye laid him? 
They said unto him, Lord, come and see. Can I say this to you today as we look at this by way of introduction this morning, that earthly sorrow is real. And you need to understand that. I need to understand that it is real. Statistics show the most common reason of sorrow or grief, if you will, is linked to the death of a, of a loved one, suicide loss, divorce, loss of a job, or even a death of a parent or a pet. A parent of a child under the age of 18 dies every 22 minutes in the United Kingdom, around 23,600 a year. This equates to 111 children being bereaved of a parental loss every day. One in 29, 5 to 16-year-olds have been bereaved of a parent or a sibling. That's one child in every, every, every average classroom. In 2017, in the United Kingdom, 5,821 people died by suicide. 3,200 babies were stillborn. That's around nine babies every day. 6,608 babies and children under, under the age of five died. That's more than 18 every day. 869 school-aged children, five to 16, died in 2017. And 7,653 babies, children, and young people under the age of 18 died. That was 21 every day. It's estimated, guys, that 1% of children born between 1971 and the year 2000 experienced maternal bereavement before the age of 16 years of age in England and Wales. Beloved, I say all that to make this point. Sorrow is around us. Sorrow is in our world. And it may, it may not be in your home today, but it probably will be sometime because the numbers, guys, are against us. Sorrow is in people around us every day, including ourselves. Many of us are experiencing sorrow or will experience it at some point. So therefore, we understand Jesus wept. But I want you to notice when he wept. Further, I want you to notice why he wept. Because it's not, not what you may think many claim it to be. Verse 33 tells us, When Jesus therefore saw her weeping, and the Jews also weeping, which came with her, he groaned in the spirit and was troubled. You know, it's recorded two times in the Bible, throughout Scripture, of Jesus weeping. Once, here in our text, in John chapter 11, and in Luke chapter 19, verse 41, and it says, And when he was come near, he beheld the city and wept over it. I ask you why this morning. I ask you why is Jesus looking at a city and weeping over it? Why is Jesus looking at, at Mary and Martha and, uh, and the, the Jews that were with him weeping, and he was uh, uh, troubled in his spirit, and he groaned in his spirit? Why? And the answer is simple. We see the people weeping because of the earthly sorrow of Lazarus' death. But do you think today that Jesus was weeping over Lazarus' death? Jesus, the one who can raise the dead? Well, let's go back to the beginning and see even how it applies to Luke 19, that he wept over a city, and how it ties together. John chapter 11, go back to the very first verse, John 11 verses 1 through 5 this morning. John 11, 1 through 5 says, Now a certain man was sick named Lazarus of Bethany, the town of Mary and her sister Martha. And it was that Mary which anointed the Lord uh, with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was sick. And therefore his sister sent unto him, saying, Lord, 
Behold, him or he whom thou lovest is sick. When Jesus heard that, he said, This sickness is not unto death, but with the glory of God, that the Son of God might be glorified thereby. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So the question of Jesus' love is not there. Well, you can't question that. We know he loved them. So here we have three people whom Jesus clearly loved and would do anything for, and he finds out that his friend is sick, and what does he do? Keep reading in the chapter, John chapter 11, verse 6 through 8, then we'll skip down to verse 11 through 14. Verse 6 says, When he had heard, therefore, that he was sick, he abode two days still in the same place where he was. And then after that, saith he to his disciples, Let us go to, into Judea again. His disciples say to him, Master, he said, Master, the Jews of late sought to stone thee, and goest thou thither again? Look at verse 11. These things said he, and after that he saith unto them, Our friend Lazarus sleepeth, but I go that I may awake him out of sleep. Then said his disciples, Lord, if he sleep, he shall do well. Howbeit Jesus spake of his death, and but they thought that he had spoken of taking of rest and sleep. And verse 14 says, Then said Jesus unto them plainly, Lazarus is dead. And yet when he heard the news that he was sick, and yet knowing all things, he waited two days. Now his dear friend went from being sick to dead. And sorrow encompassed the family and friends. So why did he tarry? While his Lazarus is sick, why did he tarry? He could have went. He could have seen him. He could have touched him. He could have healed him. Or we're going to answer that question. And the answer to Jesus is tarrying. Is the same reason he wept. It's all tied together today to belief. That's where it's tied to. Belief. Look with me in verse 15 there. And I am glad for your sakes that I was not there, to the intent ye may believe. Nevertheless, let us go unto him. Both times the recorded in scriptures of Jesus Christ weeping, they are both associated with belief. Or in reality, they're associated with a lack of belief. The belief of who and what was coming to the lives of men, women, and children. The one who is present ever before them. And the blessings, listen carefully, the blessings they could have received. The peace they could have received. The grace they could have received. The direction in the life they could have received if they would have only believed. It's that simple today. Luke 19, we find the entire event. Jesus Christ comes in the triumphant entry. The, the, the only other time that we see it recorded in the Bible where Jesus wept, and we find it in Luke 19, and, and he's, he's leaning, leading into the weeping. And John, or Luke 19, verse 38 says, saying, Blessed be the king that cometh in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. And some of the Pharisees from among the multitude said unto him, Master, rebuke thy disciples. And he said, and he answered and said unto them, I tell you that, if these should hold their peace, the stones would immediately cry out. And when he was come near, he beheld the city and wept over it. Why? Verse 42. Saying, if thou hast known, even thou, at least in this thy day, the things which belong unto thee, thy peace. But now they are hid from thine eyes. 
For the days shall come unto thee, upon thee, that thine enemy shall cast a trench about thee, and compass thee around, and, and keep thee in on every side. They shall lay thee even with the ground, and thy children within thee, and they shall not leave, thee, leave in thee one stone upon another, because thou knewest not the time of thy visitation. Belief, guys. All they had to do was believe. It's the same with us today. Jesus wept because of unbelief. Knowing what could be and what will be because of belief or the lack thereof. People are experiencing sorrow in the world today. The loss of peace and pain-stricken because of, of earthly sorrow, because of a lack of belief. Uh, uh, people will place their trust in themselves or, or some five-point uh, outline given by some self-proclaimed influencer of the week or, or the podcast of the month. Yet none of it sustains. None of it will stand the test of time. The days of sorrow and the moments of darkness, even though they, they sell you on the fact that it can, it will not last. And people are robbed of peace because they just won't believe. Beloved, there was earthly sorrow this day at the tomb of Lazarus. And rightly so, may I say that? Rightly so. They've lost a loved one. It's normal. It's natural. They should be sorrowful. The grieving process is part of life. But it wasn't just the earthly sorrow that was present in this moment. There was a heavenly sorrow as well. I want you to read the next verse from the screen because I've, I've added a bit of emphasis on there. John chapter 11, verse 33 says, When Jesus therefore saw her weeping and the Jews also weeping which came with her, that's the earthly sorrow present. The Bible says that he groaned in the, his spirit, in the spirit and was troubled. That's the heavenly sorrow. Jesus groaned in the spirit. He was troubled. Not because Lazarus was dead, but because of their unbelief. His sorrow was rooted uh, in the actions and words of those that were around him. Their eternal destination, which is linked solely to belief today. How do we know this to be a fact? Well, look back in your chapter there in John chapter 11. John chapter 11, look in verse 4 with me. John chapter 11 and verse 4. The Bible says, when Jesus heard that, he said, this sickness is, is not unto death, but for the glory of God, that the Son of God might be glorified thereby. Look in verse 15 now. Verse 15. And I am glad for your sakes that I was not there, to the intent that ye may believe, nevertheless, let us go unto him. Now Mary comes to him and says, hey, listen, if you would have been here, if you would have been here, my brother would not have died. She could have been spared the earthly sorrow. That's true. For the Lord has a purpose for it all. His heavenly sorrow is rooted and grounded in belief or the lack thereof. Her earthly sorrow is linked into losing her brother. And yet we find that when sorrow and love come together, Jesus wept to overcome even the greatest of darknesses in our life. And beloved, it is the unbelief which breaks the heart of God. And therefore, Jesus wept. We'll keep reading in John chapter 11 with me. John 11, verse 39, the Bible says, Jesus said, take ye, take ye away the stone. Martha, the sister of him that was dead, saith unto him, Lord, by this time he stinketh, for he hath been dead four days. Verse 40, Jesus saith unto her, said I not unto thee that if thou wouldest believe, 
Thou wouldest see the glory of God. He is still hammering this point of belief. On the backside of his weeping, I can see the tears running down his cheeks. I can see uh, the tears just running down his face, going into his beard, dripping off the hair on his face as he says, take the stone away. And she still refuses to just believe. Guys, our world believes some of the craziest things with absolute zero evidence or proof. No record, no evidence, nothing. Just ideas and theories. And, and people will lock into those things and believe. And yet we have a record that has been attempted to be disputed for thousands of years and it's been refuted every single time. That King James Bible for the last 400 plus years has stood the test of time. The preserved word of God throughout the TR has stood the test of time and people have fought against it. Perverters have tried to tear it down and it still reigns supreme today. But people still struggle with believing and I'm telling you here this morning that it is the, the unbelief of mankind that breaks the heart of God. Watch this. Look in John 11 with me again. Go down to the back side of the chapter. John chapter 11. And I realize I got them on the screen, but you got your Bibles with you. Read them. John chapter 11, verse 41 through 43 says, uh, Then they took away the stone from the place where the, the dead was laid. And Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father... I thank thee that thou hast heard me, and I know that thou hearest me always, but because of the people which stand by, I said it, that they may believe that thou hast sent me. When he had thus spoken, he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. I'm convinced today, had he not singled out Lazarus, every dead on the planet would get up and walk out, amen. Listen carefully to me this morning, guys. The whole event that we have here, the whole event that is going on, is tied to believing. Tied to believing. Uh, you know, I, you ask people today about uh, what they think, or you say, well, you know, do you believe in God? Yeah, I, I believe in God. Do you believe in Jesus? Yeah, I believe in Jesus. But people's belief is tied to their actions. What you believe is what you live. Now, I, I, there's no doubt in my mind that Mary and Martha loved Jesus, but they allowed earthly sorrow to cloud their belief in what Jesus Christ had said. So listen carefully. Do you know what believing will do for you today? Do you know what believing will do for you today? If you believe, it will enable you to remove whatever has kept you bound in your heart today. John eleven forty three and 44 says, And when they, he had thus spoken, he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come first. Verse 44, And he that was dead came forth, bound hand and foot with grave clothes, and, and, he's, and, and, uh, uh, and his face was bound with a napkin. Jesus saith unto him, them, Loose him and let him go. May I ask you this question here this morning? What's holding you back? What's keeping you from being sold slap out? Now, I'm, I'm, I'm going to be honest. I'm, I'm, as, a, as a man, I'm tempted to, to nitpick some things right now, but I'm, gonna, I'm not going to. I'm just going to put the question into your, your, your heart and your life. What are you committed to today? What are you dedicated to? Those of you, who have, you have, if you have jobs, you're, you're before retirement age here, are you on time to work? Are you, on, are, you able, are you able to make it to work on time? 
Do you miss work when, you don't, when you're tired? You know why you're on time to work and why you don't miss work when you just don't feel like going? Because you're, you think somehow, some way that your work pays the bills. And I got news for you. The God in heaven, the one that provides you with that job, that's who pays the bills. So how committed are you today? What's holding you back from being absolutely sold out this morning? What's keeping you bound, guys, in this world today from serving God to the fullest? Let me ask you this. How well are things working out right now when you're doing it your way? Do you ever wonder why things just continue to seem to happen in your life? While there's a feeling of maybe emptiness inside of you, no matter what you do to, to express yourself or, or, or to yourself or the temporary fix, uh, trying to get you past the next moment, only to resurface over and over and, and over again, almost like you're a hamster on a wheel this morning. Friend, if that's the case today, you are bound to these grave clothes. You're locked down. You're tied to the grave clothes solely because... You refuse to believe. You say, preacher, hang on. I believe in Jesus Christ. I'm saved. I'm born again. I'm on my way to heaven. Praise God for the eternal. Do you believe him in the temporal today? Do you believe the same God, the same Savior that, can, that died on the cross for your sins, buried in the grave, rose again to give you eternal life, can get you through X amount of years on this earth in the way that he promised? Do you believe that today? The majority of the people saved and born again sat in pews this morning they have more belief in their eternal salvation, praise God for it, than God's going to take care of the next day. And I'm going to go ahead and tell you this morning, I, I think that's idolatry. I think you created a fake God in your head if you think he's only considered taking care of your eternal and doesn't want to take care of your day. Do you believe this morning or are you bound? Are you willing to execute the changes you know need to happen in your life? To change the path that you are on, which always comes back to the same location. Pain, sorrow, and loss. The absence of peace. Jesus Christ said to he who was once dead, he said, loosen him. You know, guys, the Bible tells us that, he's, that he has quickened us. He's brought us back to life. If you are saved and born again today, Jesus Christ is saying, get loose of the grave clothes. Let go of them and be unbound today in your belief in the Lord Jesus Christ. This is the execution of the belief, guys, to make changes in our life, to have the grave clothes cut off, which has kept you bound, to let you go, to have peace in your life this morning. The guy's life is still going to have aches and pains. It's still going to have problems. That's part of it no different than the growing pains that we experience in the body. Guys, if you want to get better and bigger, you're going to have to go through some pain. But believe in Jesus and his way of life sets you free from being bound both in the earthly as well in the internal. So I'm going to close with one point. Praise God if you cut loose from being bound today. I think you ought to. I think you ought to quit fighting the grave clothes, quit fighting the old life, quit, quit trying to do things your way and live a life worth leaving to others as Jesus Christ did. But in doing so, it's going to bring others in your life to battle. It's going to bring others in your life to battle. 
And you say, well, preacher, that's not too encouraging. You're just telling me here that I need to believe, and then now I'm not bound. And as soon as I get unbound, I'm going to battle other people. Yeah, but you're going to battle them from the external. Now you're not battling yourself from the internal. John chapter 11, verse 45 through 48 says, Then many of the Jews which came to Mary and had seen the things which Jesus had believed on him. Praise God. But here's verse 46. But some of them went their ways to the Pharisees and told them what things Jesus had done. Then gathered the chief priests and the Pharisees a council and said, What do we for this man doeth many miracles? If we let him thus alone, all men will believe on him, and the Romans shall come and take away both our place and nation. Boy, that's wicked, isn't it? Now, I know we know the end of the story. But what you find with these people right here that are so concerned with the Romans, they didn't believe on the one who just raised the dead, mind you. They're still afraid of the world. They're still afraid of the government. They're still afraid of the politicians. They're still afraid of those who kept them bound because they're hook, line, and sinker tied together. Here you find the self-preservationists. They're only interested in keeping you bound so to maintain control over you. Here you find those who are filled with sinful passions. Remember, guys, misery always loves company. Here we find those who are selfish perversions. They'll create a God in the image of man by way of tradition, creeds, and rituals, all for the purpose of luring you back in those grave clothes. My friend, keep in mind this morning, Jesus Christ did not do anything. He did nothing without knowing the outcome. He was not taken surprised at the battle that presented himself, nor did he fear it either. He knew Lazarus would die, and he purposely waited for it so that he could glorify God. Again, we read verse 4, this sickness is not unto death, but the glory of God, that the Son of God might be glorified thereby. Jesus Christ knew it all. So with this thought, the sole reason of him waiting was to glorify God. His heart was broken because of the people's unbelief. So he waited to raise Lazarus so they would believe to set him, fr to set him free, who was bound, knowing full well that a hornet's nest would kick off be turned upside down for a battle. He knew it in the very beginning. Go back in your minds there on the screen or in your Bibles in John chapter 11, verses 7 and 8. Then after, then after that, saith his disciples, uh, saith he to the disciples, let us go to Judea. Verse 8, his disciples say unto him, Master, the Jews of late sought to stone thee. And goest thou thither again? He knew where he was going. He knew what the result would be. He knew there was going to be a battle after Lazarus was cut free from being bound. He knew it. And yet he went anyway. So let me conclude with these thoughts. Are you willing to get comfortable with being uncomfortable for a cause greater than yourself? That's really the ultimate question. That's really where we're working from the, from the beginning of this sermon all the way to the end. Are you willing to get comfortable with being uncomfortable for a cause? greater than yourself are you afraid of something are you fearful jesus knew the battle would come he knew by removing him who was bound uh, would bring forth a battle like none other but for the sake of others for the sake of souls to believe in his mind it was the only way this is the life of Jesus Christ. This is his heart being revealed and exposed to us and how he lived his life. It wasn't about himself, who had all the right in the world to make it about himself. It was about other people.
in Jesus' mind, it will be worth the loss. It will be worth the pain. It will be worth the interruption to himself for souls to believe. So I ask you, I understand sorrow is here. I understand it's present in our days. But beloved, are you today willing to get comfortable with being uncomfortable for a cause greater than yourself? Are you willing to say it's worth the loss, it's worth the pain, it's worth the interruption in my life so that souls will believe, be unbound, and even though I have a battle, it's worth it for another person to believe on Jesus Christ. I know the sorrow may come, but let us always remember the weeping may endure for a night, but joy cometh in the morning. As far as Jesus was concerned in his life, the battle was worth it all. If one soul would believe, the battle was worth it all. If one soul would be unbound, the battle was worth it all. And then we've got to ask ourselves this morning, can we say the same? Will you bow your heads with me? Father, we thank you, Lord, for the opportunity and time to be together this morning. We pray, Lord, that you lead God and direct us. Lord, let us take the words this morning and the event and the record of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, weeping for the souls who, un who had unbelief in their life, dear God. Looking at Jesus Christ in the manner that he lived and the way that his heart was revealed and the tenderness, Lord, and the compassion that he uh, presented, that he exercised in our life, that he executed in, in, in his days. And let us be filled today, dear God. Let us be driven today to do the same thing. As we've seen in the past weeks, the legacy that our Lord and Savior has left. The legacy, Father, of living a life worth leading. Let us give him honor and glory and praise. Praise God, and we thank you for the eternal today. But Lord, I pray that after we are saved and born again, sailed unto the day of redemption, we have our heavenly tickets sealed and ready to go. Let us not forsake the life that you have gifted us here on this earth to go forward and live as our Lord and Savior Jesus did. We ask these things in the precious name of Jesus Christ. Amen.